On imom.com, we share ideas, insight, and inspiration. We do all that here too, by sharing the best kind of stories, mom stories. We're all at different ages and stages, but one thing we have in common is that we're striving and sometimes struggling to love our children well. It's the iMom Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the iMom Podcast. I'm Abby, Susan and Chloe and Megan are here once again. We're getting very close to Chloe's due date, and which is very happy news and exciting news. And we're just so excited for you today. The day that this episode releases is September 11th. And I kind of feel like this episode is going to be one that maybe people will listen to it today or this week, but it's the thing that someone is going to search for when they need it Mm. because these tragic events happen. And in those moments where they happen, moms and dads want to know, like, what do I do? How do I parent well when a tragedy happens? Um, So my story today is about September 11th. On the 10th anniversary of September 11th, my first son was born. So my older son's birthday is 9-11-11. He was due on the 21st, which is right around Chloe's due date. Um, And when I got my due date, my mother-in-law was like, he's got to be a 9-11 baby. And I was like, no, he's not. That's 10 days early. Why would my first son come 10 days early? And lo and behold, he came 10 days early and arrived on the 10th anniversary of September 11th. And my sister texted me um, because she lived in Atlanta at the time. She texted me and she's like, this great like congratulations. And she said, I can't even say without tearing up. She said, you know, a lot of there's a lot of like hard news today. But he gives me so much hope, which was just really great. So throughout his life, he has had his birthday on September 11th. And a couple years ago, it was, oh, because today's a Monday. Uh, His birthday was on Saturday. We had the birthday party for him. And and someone even said, and he's like, oh, well, why would you have the party today? And I was like, well, because it's my son's birthday. and, And that's, you know, how... It's his life and we're going to celebrate it. But every year throughout his birthday, things happen at school where it's like, you know, how do you talk to him? How do you, he wants to be at school celebrating like kids do get their fun pencil, get their crown or whatever. One year he came home. He was, I don't even want to say what grade he was in because I don't want to single out the teacher because she's lovely, but he came home and he was young. So I'll say it was under eight years old. And I said, how was your day? Did you have a great birthday at school? And he's like, yeah, we talked about about 9-11. And I said, yeah, I know. And I mean, he already knew kind of the idea of it. And he's like, yeah, my my teacher said that some people like um, jumped out of building, out of the buildings. And I was like, oh, God. Oh. I thought, and he, like I said, he was young. And I'm like, I was not ready for my son no. to know this detail. I don't care if he ever knows it because I like, can still picture those yeah. images and I I mm-hmm. have a hard time with them too yeah. even being a Floridian you know and so I just I to me I'm like I was not ready for my son to know this but that's part of parenting during when tragedies happen sometimes you know they just hear things that you're not ready so you know when these things happen something like 9-11 a school shooting a natural disaster that takes lives or homes war or racial tension or injustice we don't necessarily know what to say to our kids how do we know what to say you know we want to offer these words of comfort um none of us here megan susan chloe or i are child psychologists but i want to talk about um you know, the things that hit moms, the, mm. the things that moms are thinking and dealing with and processing when these difficult moments happen. So um, first question for you guys, 
are there any things from your childhood or Megan, or I'm sorry, or Susan as a mom from your kid's childhood that sticks out? Any of these events that stick out that you remember? And I'm asking because, well, one, I want to know like what you actually remember. And two, what role did your parents have as those things were happening? When I was younger, how old was I, Susan? What? Six, seven. Oh, when grandma died? Uh-huh. Yeah, you were probably seven. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's a day I'll always remember, just because mm-hmm. that was the first time I'd seen you really upset. She passed away of a heart attack, and I'd gotten dropped off from school and um, walked in and just, you know, saw you shocked and sobbing and so I went out and got our friend who had dropped me off and and brought her in but I I get I mean I guess I knew about the concept of death but I think you know when you're little it's this concept and then when you know someone really close to you that that dies it's it's really when it becomes real and Mm -hmm. you remember it forever because it's your first interaction with having to deal with that tragedy and it was just hard seeing you know you so upset and um as a kid too I think I was old enough to understand what happened but I also didn't want to I feel like I didn't want to be too sad myself because I knew that you were dealing with a lot and so it was also a weird concept of like how how do I kind of like keep it together in my little brain to not add more um you know grief to the grief that was already going on. Yeah. Wow. Megan, I mean, I was in, not to shift back to 9-11, I was in college, so I wasn't really a kid anymore, but you and Chloe were kids on in 2001. So like, I'm curious to know Megan's perspective and versus Susan's, mm, yeah. like how you tried to parent that month, mm-hmm. you know, and Megan, how you experienced that. Yeah, I, re- I mean, everyone remembers where they were, I feel like. So I was in fifth grade science class and I remember it was it was almost like a, a fire drill type deal. Like they almost kind of locked down the school, which was interesting uh, because, you know, it happened. It, t- towers were hit, Pentagon was hit, other locations were hit. So like no one really knew what, what was going to come next. And so they kind of locked down the school. And then their next question was like, do you guys have any family in New York or whatever? And I was like, yeah, my uncle lives in in New York. And so if you had family that lived there, you got to pick up the phone and call your parents. Um, And then after that, it was early dismissal. And I remember going home and I just kept hearing my teachers and other people saying like hijackers, hijackers. And I'm like, what's a hijacker? I don't Mm. know what a hijacker is. Um, And so then I had to learn what a hijacker was. And I was like, why in the world would someone ever want to do that? And then it, you know, spirals into this whole thing of like, there's bad people in the world. And so I remember after that, and then I remember there being talks of war because George Bush was, you know, like we had the news on all the time and George Bush is talking about going to war and, I'm like, a war is happening. I, I, you know, you're so little and these things, these concepts, I think in my mind, at least just got blown way out of proportion. And I was terrified. I was thinking like a hijacker is going to hit our house, you know, like, so then you just, it, I feel like fear just crept in and my parents did explain the best they could. I think what was going on, but well, yeah, because- I don't know how you really sugarcoat that situation Susan you didn't have a choice like uh, probably every kid at school Chloe I'm guessing because you were even younger I was in first grade I mean did they announce it at school yeah I 
Yeah, and my mom, I don't really remember it, but because we, I grew up really close to the Kennedy Space Center, so people were afraid they were going to target yeah. that. So um, I, my mom pulled us all out of school. A lot of parents did. So, I mean, it's like parents didn't have a chance to get in front of it. No, we didn't. So I remember standing in front of the TV because a friend had called me and said, you've got to turn on the TV. And then she, a bunch of us were like calling each other. We didn't even have text back then. You were literally on the phone with friends. And um, we got the message that our our schools were shutting down and we had to go pick up our kids immediately. Oh my gosh. So then they're home watching the TV with us. And, you know, yeah, we were crazy parents. You didn't hide things from your kids. We were pretty transparent. We kept the TV on and and we watched... um, what was unfolding and we live two miles from mcdill air force base so it was also you know they were ramping up and you could hear the planes going overhead (sighs) so you knew um and i think you guys even had drills at school going forward of getting under your desk and just you know because of where we live uh and we did talk about it a lot we didn't really hide anything from our kids you know this is life we believe in our country we will get to the bottom of this and um you know, we're going to pray for these, these families in New York yeah. because we did see those towers and, yeah. and we actually became friends with a family that moved here from there that lost oh, goodness. a father. How do you feel if someone talks to your child when you've been trying to maybe protect them from this story? Mm. So I always feel like God has a plan and a purpose for everything. And so I am not one to shy away from things. I think, okay, if God allowed this to happen, then this is my opportunity to have a conversation about it. Mm. And um, while I may not always like it, uh, it's, you know, God ordains our kids' lives and he's gonna He's gonna use whatever happens to them for his glory and his good as long as we point them to, to him. Mm. So um, I just try to roll with it and, you know, there is good and evil in this world. And we're, you know, it's so sad that your son is born on that day because he has to fight this. And yet there is joy and there is sorrow in every day. Mm. And, you know, every day that a child is born, somebody else dies. And this is just life. And this is why we look toward an eternal kingdom because we're not going to have this pain anymore. So we have to learn to embrace the pain and, you know, and the joy in a mixed bag it's it's hard but it's part of kids lesson in growing up and I do think if we protect them too much then they're it's going to be a shocker when they do see something right Megan I know that before we started recording maybe even a couple weeks ago you'd said you know I don't know based on my child's age like I don't know what I'm necessarily supposed to even say or not say um according to so give you the basics according to the American Academy of Pediatrics for all ages, it's best to ask them if they've heard anything. And so remember, we're talking about all different things. I mean, whether it's a school shooting or um, when George Floyd was killed, you know, like find out what what have you heard and what do you know? Um, let them know that they can come to you with questions. Answer their questions, obviously in an age-appropriate way, but don't go overboard. Answer the questions they ask. You don't have to give more information. Mm. And don't be afraid to admit if you don't have all the answers. Mm. You know, sometimes you can just say, I don't know why they did it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why people feel that way. It makes me sad. Um, Let's pray for them and let's figure out what we can do to, to make a difference in a good way. Now, when you're talking to very young kids, 
They said that it's best if they hear about it from a parent or a, or a caregiver instead of from another child or the media or through overheard conversations. They do need accurate information, but you don't want to be too vague. So simply saying, well, something happened really far away that's really bad and people got hurt, it doesn't give them enough information. So try to be a little bit more specific. You do not have to be very specific, but giving them a few details to grab onto makes them feel a little safer, like it's not necessarily going to happen to them. And I always find, I, I have found that we don't give kids credit. If you don't give yeah. them information, they make up their own story in their head. They try to piece it together and it's always worse. It's always, yeah, yeah, so true. Yep, kind of, Megan, that kind of speaks to what you were saying about your memories from that day that you're like, are they going to hit our house? Like, no, your house is not a target. Yeah. <laughs> but for a yeah, kid. Well, and I, I mean, my picture of going to war was like, you know, the 1700s when they're physically like battling each other on a field. And I'm thinking like Iraq is coming to invade. Yes. You, you know, like I'm just had this like really blown out of proportion picture of what I thought was happening next. And oh, it freaked yeah. me out. Yeah. I was terrified my dad was going to get called to war. My dad, <laughs> pastor, like I don't, I don't, and I don't know where I got that information from, but yeah. Right. At some point you heard about being drafted. Well, and- I think my friend's dad was a, a reserve in the Marines. And so she was talking about yeah. her dad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now for older kids, so we're talking grade school and teenagers, and obviously you're going to approach them differently, but as a whole, um, again, asking asking them what they've heard, asking if they have questions or concerns, and then replying with something like, yes, in this city, in this state, there was this crisis that happened. A lot of people were hurt, but people who are in charge are doing the best that they can to make sure it doesn't happen again. And then um, following up with like questions and saying, you know, maybe a week later, have you heard anything else? Do you have any other questions? Understand if your child responds in a way that you don't respond like they might a teenager might get angry or might be sarcastic because they don't know how what the right emotion is to process something Mm -hmm. like this um just know that every child is going to react differently and it might not be the same way that you react Mm -hmm. i think that that's important yeah and considering your child i mean if you have a 12 year old and a six-year-old you're not going to have the conversation together those conversations are going to sound differently if you have a kid that feel safer by knowing more details. You might not tell them the same thing that your child who just needs to know the very basics and just wants to earmuff. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a different conversation there. I think too, sometimes you can listen to the news, which gives them comfort because they feel like they're hearing everything without doing it visually. Like, because sometimes it's the visuals that really scare whereas if they hear they, they're getting the information but they're not going to have things that torture them later in their mind yeah, yeah. well and I think that I mean I know that on most of these things that have happened I end up watching a lot of the news and I don't I, it doesn't feel good after mm-hmm. too much I'm like I just need to turn it off and fortunately I'm in a position where I can just turn it off I know mm-hmm. some people it's life but um our kids just don't need to get the 24-hour news cycle. Megan, have you had to explain lockdown drills to James? No, uh, they have fire. So he was a little preschool and they did up the security due to all the school shootings, unfortunately, but, um, or not, not unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, they upped it, unfortunately, due to the situation. Um, But they do fire drills and I am not kidding. I don't hear a lot about what happened at school. James just isn't a big 
talker after school, I think, because he's tired. But I will always hear it when they had a fire drill because it scares him. And our smoke alarm in our house really scares him. Unfortunately, I have set that off a number of times. (laughs) It literally scares him. Anytime he sees like the stove steaming, he's like, you're going to set off the smoke alarm. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm going to turn on the fan. It's okay. Um, But... I have a feeling that will scare him if they, I don't think they've explained the school shootings to these kids. They're just way too little, but even the fire drills scare them. I mean, he, he reports back to me every day. They had a fire drill. Yeah. I remember fire drills used to scare me. Like your adrenaline kind of shoots up and it's it's like imagining this emergency situation. It's so loud. It's so loud for them. I mean, it goes on forever until everyone's out of the building. It does. And did did they ever do like the simulation with you guys? Like where the fire truck would be there and like they would have some students outside like as if they were, yeah, like terrified children. That sounds traumatizing. Maybe like a classmate laying next to the fire truck. No, What is going on? Oh gosh. They warned us ahead of time that like some kids have been selected for it, but it's still like can really obviously <laughs> leave a mark drill scare your boys or are they kind well, of understand it my little one doesn't really say much about it um but yes i'm gonna say it probably does my older one uh is my safety kid and so he tells me he's like Oh, we have a fire drill today. We have a lockdown drill today. He gets excited about it because I think that he just wants to feel safe and knowing the procedure makes him feel safe. Um, I do know that one teacher, one year he told me, he's like, uh, this teacher told me that if something happens, I'm in charge of grabbing the phone and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, no, no, no. You are in charge of getting, <laughs> getting under out, your yeah. desk and or doing exactly what the drill tells you to do. You know, I'm like, do not be that kid. The safety, you know, <laughs> <Who> goes last. <laughs> right. right. Um, but so I know that probably a lot of moms are like, how do I explain a lockdown drill? What do I do to, if my child asks, um, the first thing is, explain what a drill is. A drill is practice. You know, we do drills because we want to be prepared and we want to be safe. And then if you compare it to like, I mean, a fire drill is still scary, but I don't know, as a kid, I would imagine a active shooter drill would be scarier Mm -hmm. like that to me. I don't know. Maybe they're both scary. But if you if you say, you know, we do fire drills, we do tornado drills, we lump these all together. These are all drills because it's part of this routine. We build a routine. How do the kids know the difference? Because uh, we didn't have active shooter drills. Right. So how do they know? What kind of bell is it? Is Are there different bells for fire? Because fire, you get out. Active right. shooter, you hide. The, for mm-hmm. my kids' school, I don't know if it's a different noise, but they they have like these light, these boards in their room that have like words that come across. And so that alerts them what to what it is. What if they can't read? Well, the, the teacher knows that and the teacher knows what to do. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and one of, I went on a website for teachers where they talked about like, how do you explain to your students why we do active shooter drills? And this one first grade teacher said, um, I tell them that we do this drill to practice being safe. If the, you know, if the police are trying to catch someone who's doing something wrong and that this person could be far away, they could be many streets over. And that's usually the case. Um, But since we're not sure, we just need to stay safe and quiet in our room. And that kind of helps them not feel so scared about doing the drills because they're telling themselves, okay, this could be happening far away, but we need to do whatever is possible here within this space. Yeah. And talking to your kids about possibility versus probability. It's possible that we could have a fire drill or or that we could have a fire. It's possible that these things could happen, but it is not probable Mm. that these things will happen. And that kind of might help put their minds at ease a little bit. 
That's like why we put on a seatbelt in the car. Mm. It's possible, but it, it's probable we won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's true. I, I was texting with some friends about this. Um, like, you know, how do you feel when you have to have these conversations with your kids? And the general consensus was, we just don't want to take our kids' innocence. You know, yeah. like having these conversations, we end up having to tell them things that we're like, oh, I just, I don't want you to know this. I don't want you to have to process this or know that these people exist or that this danger is out there. Um, but I, I think that that it's something that we do have to do. And like I was talking with one of our coworkers here who's who's black and he was like, you know what, when George Floyd died, we have to talk to our kids about it. Yeah. For someone like me, that's not like my parents don't get the liberty of talking about it or not talking about it. This is life. Yeah. We have this is a conversation that is just part of my life. It's not, you know, so I felt bad. I'm like, gosh, I get to choose whether or not my kids know that this evil exists. For you, you know that this evil exists. Wow. There is no choice in the matter. And so I think that we just have to um, respect that and be willing to have some of those conversations with our kids. And I think it's like a lot of things. If you talk about it, even the younger they are and they grow up knowing, well, this is just what we do. And this is why, because these things, like you said, can happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, but if we, if we act like it's a big deal or that we're, we don't want them to know about it, it almost makes it sometimes a little bit more scary scary yeah, yeah. i agree have you guys heard that quote that it's overused now mr rogers thing about like look for the helpers mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. the idea anytime that something bad happens you can tell your kids look around for who is helping because there's always somebody that is jumping in and being courageous um, look for those helpers and you'll realize that there are good people um that that people care about one another i think that that's one thing it's mm, good i think to be transparent in your grief and sorrow too yeah because, you know, in the case when my mom died, yeah, I can't ever remember being more shocked or sad. And they came home right after I found mm-hmm. out. So I was a mess. Was not thinking about them at all. I was just really, really sad. Um, but through that, I saw something beautiful unfold. My friend who was driving the carpool that day when Megan ran out and told her, came in, took control of my children, called three more friends. My house was filled. They were... They called my husband. I hadn't even called him yet. I had just gotten off the phone with my brother. And, you know, they had found flights for us. They had bathed and dressed my children. They had packed my children's bags. So my children were surrounded by women helping me. My pastor was at our house in moments. You know, so it it went from, yeah, shock, seeing my mother in grief, to seeing people pray with me, Mm -hmm. having hands take care of them, and being surrounded by... Um, love in the midst of grief. It was very real, but it it kind of it was beautiful too. Yeah, wow. yeah. And I think there it, it, we focus on watching a lot of the news and the scary stuff. I think we should encourage our kids and allow our kids to see all the good stuff that's happening. Oh, too. I remember watching nine eleven and having the news on, and our kids kind of being solemn, and we pulled them together on the couch and we prayed. Yeah, oh, as yeah. a family, and sometimes in fear, that's all you can do is turn to God and and hope. Yeah. Yep. All right, chime in on Instagram. If you don't follow us already, we're at imom.com. And thanks so much for listening. 
Thanks for listening to the iMom podcast. iMom is the motherhood program of the nonprofit organization Family First. Along with our fatherhood program, All Pro Dad, we exist to help you love your family well. Subscribe to our daily email, the iMom Minute, by going to imom.com slash subscribe and get tons of great ideas, insight, and inspiration. The iMom Podcast is hosted by me, Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal.